This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Good Lord, didn't anybody here subscribe? Hello? Hi, this is Sean from Extra Star Wars. Oh. And you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt. It's time for the Jedi to end. Okay, folks, thanks for joining me on episode 181 of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Last week, uh, we had a good time with uh, Dave from What Star Wars Means to You. And uh, that was uh, our first show of the year, 2024. Uh, Are people still saying Happy New Year? That's okay. Happy New Year to everybody. And thanks for discovering us. If this is going to be your first time listening to the podcast, Uh, if not, welcome back. And uh, I just wanted to say pigs are flying. Hell has frozen over. Uh, If you have listened to the show, uh, since uh, Brad and I started back in 2019. Um, you guys know that uh, we're not too fond of the sequel trilogy, uh, one movie in particular, but uh, we're going to talk about the sequel trilogy tonight. And uh, the uh, the impetus for that, uh, one of our uh, friends, uh, Semper Fi Danny, uh, had posted uh, something having to do with The Last Jedi. And uh she challenged me to talk about the sequel trilogy and uh, maybe a, a little Last Jedi discussion, but uh, this should be a lot of fun. I'd like to say hello there to Semper Fi Danny. How's it going tonight? Hey, uh, it's going well. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Tell me a little bit, um, real fast, before we start the big discussion, tell me a little bit about your Star Wars story. How did you get into the fandom? Okay, sure. Um, I'm actually, it's kind of an interesting story because I was born literally the day after Star Wars, the original Star Wars came out. So Star Wars has always sort of been on the periphery of my life, but I've never actually watched Star Wars up until after The Last Jedi came out, but before Solo. So that's when I sort of came into the fandom. And... I mean, I kind of grew up in a single parent household with a sister, so it was always kind of perceived as like Star Wars was the boy thing, you Mm -hmm. know, like, you know, I I don't know if it necessarily had an appeal for me specifically, but it was hard to sort of ignore Star Wars in general. I mean, I had aunts and uncles. I watched the Ewoks cartoon, so I had a little bit of exposure Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, You know, uh, in the the 90s, my friends went to the Phantom Menace and... I got to hear all the discourse about that at the time. Uh, I had friends that worked at BioWare and made Knights of the Old Republic. So I kind of got to see a little behind the scenes on that. And so it was always kind of just there. And then fast forward to, um, I don't, I can't remember what year that was. It's been so long. Um, I had just, you know, I had just finished uh, sort of unsuccessfully. Uh, my husband and I were trying to have a child and we went through the fertility route and that didn't work out for us. And so I was kind of in a little, we had kind of settled on not having children. I was a little depressed. And on Easter in Canada, we have a show, we have this channel called Showcase and they show Star Wars marathons. And I just happened to stumble in and I started watching. And the first movie I saw was The Force Awakens. And 
And the minute that we got to the scene where Ray is sitting in front of the ATAT or ADAT or whatever you want to call it, and that, that sense of isolation and that sense of barrenness, you know, in the barren desert, that loneliness, I, I just, it just clicked on me and I became a fan ever since. And I love the thing. And then afterwards, uh, I started off with that. And then my husband's like, well, if you like this, let's watch the new hope. And so we watched the new hope and then empire, then return of the Jedi. And then we went back to the prequel trilogies and my husband had braced me that it's like, he didn't really <laughs> care for them. And yet I love them. And he, the nineties, he actually found that they were better this time around because at that point I'd become this stupid super fan and all my friends knew it. And I had a friend that had uh, access to advanced tickets to see uh, the opening night of Solo. So that was my first Star Wars movie. I just kind of moseyed on towards the rise of Skywalker with the rest of you. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. You know, I always say that um, it, Star Wars catches you at weird times in your life, no matter how old you are. It's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, I was eight years old in 1977. And when that Star Destroyer went overhead, I lost my mind. My uh, little eight-year-old row was uh, was was <laughs> flabbergasted, um, and I think um, you know from from a from an emotional standpoint, I think you know a lot of people talk about fandom in general, but I think Star Wars, you know, it's 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 not the only IP or fandom that that does this, but it really clicks. Um, deep and emotional for for some people um for, oh, for, for a lot of people and i think that is why the fandom is so uh emotional i think we we have a sense of of ownership to the franchise and i know you know sometimes when people don't draw that line between uh you know the reality of it and and the and and the the passion i guess that's that's when you start getting a little um I don't know, weirdly obsessive about stuff like that. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but. Well, I think too, if I just want to say, I think what makes star Wars stand apart is that emotional connection. I mean, it's no shortage of franchise out there, but you don't see, I mean, the only thing I can see that comes relatively close maybe is the bond franchise, the James Bond stuff. And even then I'm not quite sure it hits the same way. So. Right. I mean, Star Trek is similar. I mean, there's, you know, there's oh, okay, kind of yeah. a little bit of a crossover between Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, a little bit, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know. But it's not like with all the franchises in, in there, it's not a lot that catch the emotional hook. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I always say I've got the saying that if you cut me, I bleed Star Wars. So it's, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely a franchise that, um, that plays on, on your emotions in, in, in so many different ways. Um, and mm -hmm. obviously because we're, we're still talking about it decades later, there are still people talking about, you know, one aspect of star Wars or another, whether mm -hmm. it's characters or behind the scenes. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting discussion, um, no matter how you slice it. And I think that is what makes star Wars kind of timeless and and special for a lot of people. And that also depends on, um, I guess, uh, you know, how you relate to w that one X factor that brought you into the fandom. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, you said it earlier, it's 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 the emotional connection that we make. Um, like I said, whether it's the characters or the process or 
or the situations, whatever it is that we are dealing with in life at that moment uh, is what uh, I guess connects us with, with the franchise. And I think that's pretty cool. I think no other, I don't think any other medium in entertainment does that. I mean, I think music does that because we feel a connection to music, you know, for, you know, um, but you know, movies, movies really work on your psyche in, in every, in every way. You've got the visual, you've got the sound, you've got the emotion, because obviously when you see a movie, um, you know, it, it, the, the film really works on you in, in all sorts of ways. I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. Han Solo, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. I wanted to, uh, so I, I have in the notes, because I wanted to discuss mm -hmm. the... Um, the hype that surrounded the force awakens. And I know you, you had answered me, um, regarding, I guess your trajectory into the fandom is a little different than mine. Um, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, if you, if you can, um, Oh, and let me ask you this, is your husband a star Wars fan? Yes, very much. So he's a little bit more Trek than star sure. Wars, but he endures it when I put it on. So he, but he actually legit likes it too. So, so it's it's funny because, you know, after Return of the Jedi, which uh, premiered in 1983, you know, there was not a lot mm -hmm. of uh, Star Wars. And among the uh, hardcore fans, we call the period that, uh, you know, that followed the Return of the Jedi in the, in the late 80s and 90s as the dark times because George Lucas stopped, <laughs> you know, producing Star Wars movies. He was obviously concentrating on other things, but um, there was uh, there was a period of, in, in time where there weren't any novels. There's no comic books, obviously no movies and, and super obvious. There were no television shows. Uh, you know, George Lucas during the time was uh, practicing and, and, and developing uh, technology to be able to bring Star Wars to the small screen through the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And they were doing, a, you know, him and ILM were doing a lot of work to try to, uh, you know, formulate a way to bring, you know, bigger than life cinematics to to the small screen, um, which to me, I think um, one of the reasons that I love Star Wars and George Lucas and Industrial Light Magic is is because of the technology. Um it's uh, it's it's fabulous to be able to think that, you know, these uh, these artists at ILM just created this galaxy out of out of nothing. Obviously, the ideas came from George, but, you know, from Ralph McQuarrie to the, uh, uh, you know, the camera people, the John Dykstra's, the uh, the Ben Burtz of of the group um, really kind of uh, pulled together their resource, their imagination and and you know, blood, sweat, and tears to create, uh, create this, uh, this galaxy that everybody loves. Um, but you know, that being said, like I said, the nineties were the dark times for us. There was nothing around <laughs> and, uh, you know, come, I think what, uh, I, when the force awakens actually before the force awakens, obviously we had, um, the the prequels which you mentioned mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. in 1999 uh so yes. there was incredible hype for the prequels uh the phantom menace yeah. um you know oh i remember that it was like every you know every 
McDonald's container right. or KFC container. Like every cereal box had mall or something like that. <laughs> it was, um, yeah. I mean, uh, the hype, uh, I don't think any other franchise or any other movie announcement has, uh, has reached the, the level that the hype, um, reached, uh, during that time, uh, right before the Phantom Menace came out, obviously, you know, fans were kind of, uh, chomping at the bit to get more star Wars. George announced that, uh, oh. you know, he's, uh, getting ready, getting ready to do three more trilogies. We were, um, we were tickled pink. And it wasn't just three more trilogies. It was about three more trilogies about everybody's favorite character. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, do you remember uh, – what are some of the other things that you remember about the hype during uh, the pre-prequel era? Well, it's a little bit difficult because at that time I was in university and working, so that sort of consumed most of my life. Um, but my friends, again, my roommate was – you know, and her friends were really big Star Wars nor- nerds. And it was funny that – like, I, I, there was discourse around – the prequel trilogy, I think the most cons- the consensus was they liked it, but there was aspects they didn't like. Like, like I know Phantom Menace got kind of slammed pretty hard. Um, people were picking on Hayden Christensen's acting, but I'll, I always kind of remember because I, I said to my roommate, I go, you know, you guys slammed uh, the prequel trilogy or the Phantom Menace. You guys picked on Hayden Christensen. Why are you so excited about the next movie if you didn't <laughs> if you didn't care for the previous two? And her response was like, "You can still enjoy the Chinese buffet just because you don't get the spring rolls." <laughs> wow, that's a great analogy. Um, and I think you know, I, I will add that Star Wars fans are fickle, and you've seen mm-hmm. you've seen that on Twi- Twitter already. Um, but um, you know, when when it comes to fandom, I always say, you know, people people I know people that left the fandom. After The Last Jedi, and we'll get to that, they mm-hmm. they did not see Solo. They didn't care to see Solo, and they've never seen any of the uh, the new television shows. They just stopped be, being fans um, mm-hmm. for, for their own reasons. And I can't imagine doing that because I grew up with a franchise so embedded, like I said, in my DNA. Um, I always say that, uh, you know, what, one of my sticking points um, really uh, is um, – you know the 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 sequel trilogy is is okay, but that middle film for me is is the one that uh, that really um, kind of uh, chaps my hide. But I it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that uh, and I, I think I I remember telling this to a friend. I said, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. I will always be a Star Wars fan, and I don't want to give the Last Jedi that power to knock me off of that uh, that trajectory of being mm-hmm. a, a Star Wars fan. And and mm-hmm. of course, you know, um, people can choose to like or dislike uh, whatever. It just obviously it depends on how far you take it. Um, I made a, a, you know, in in our show notes, I, I kind of uh, gave you a, a little preamble and a little joke, obviously saying that uh, I'm not the kind of guy that burns action figures on <laughs> on YouTube or, or you know. Mm-hmm screams at uh, Kathleen Kennedy you know as, as somebody that uh, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. You, you've seen those accounts yeah.
Let's uh, fast forward a little bit to uh, December of 2015, and uh, we get some more Star Wars hype uh, with, uh, I think, when the first trailer was dropped. Um, It was uh, San Diego Comic-Con when um, everybody just rushed to social media to uh, to see the the latest trailer of The Force Awakens. Um, People usually ask you, you know, where were you when Kennedy was shot or where were you during, (laughs) uh, you know, 9-11? This is another benchmark in in history uh, when people ask you, where were you when The Force Awakens trailer dropped? Do you remember? Um, to be honest, I don't really remember the trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if, um, Star Wars was sort of actively in my conscious at that time. I, I don't, I don't remember the Force Awakens trailer like I do The Last Jedi. Okay. For like, but I do remember the hype about the fact that Star Wars was coming back. Right, right. And that it was going to have sequel trilogy characters or, or sorry, the original right. trilogy characters. So I do remember that hype. I just don't recall seeing any trailers that come. And that was on me, you know, like I just didn't pay attention. Chewie, we're home. And remind me, you said you saw The Force Awakens, but on television? Yes, And then Solo was your first? And that was after... Yeah, I saw The Force Awakens after The Last Jedi came out. Okay, all right. Yeah. And then Solo yeah. Solo was your first uh, movie, like mm-hmm. big screen experience for Star Wars. Yes. Okay, I got you, I got you. All right, so uh, give me your general thoughts on The Force Awakens, since that is the one that you kind of nonchalantly got into. Um, and uh, g- give me your um, your general thoughts on The Force Awakens. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I love the movie. You ask me, if you were to ask me, what's my favorite movie? It's either going to be that or a new hope. And I go back and forth between the two, depending on how I feel. Um, I thought it was deep. I thought it was interesting. I thought that I liked the fact that the show started off with the three main characters wearing a mask and as the show progressed, you saw that mask, both external and internal, start to slip. And then at the end, you're seeing their faces, right? Like it's just exposed. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I kind of like that dynamic between um, Ray and Finn and Ray and Kylo Ren. I mean, I'm, you know, let's not pretend I'm not a Raylo. You know? <laughs> and that's not a dirty word. You know, I write fan fiction for Christ's sake. So, you know, let's not pretend I'm not, you know, but I like the dynamic. I caught the, probably the dynamic before I, like if I had watched the force awakens, I probably would have caught the dynamic than most people did where they caught that dynamic in the last Jedi. Um, I love the emotional impact of, of Han Solo and, just well first of all it blew my mind i mean my god i was like this is what the this is what i've been missing all my life like like the graphics the scene where uh hux was like doing basically like a parody of like almost like like, it was the scariest thing i've ever seen when he was doing that sort of that nazi-ish kind of speech today is the end of the republic 
The end of a regime that acquiesces to disorder. At this very moment, in a system far from here, the new republic lies to the galaxy while secretly supporting the treachery of the loathsome resistance. And just like you could see the spit coming out of his mouth. And I was just like so in awe of the graphics and just everything about it. And it just it sometimes it just hits. And the music was amazing. Sure. The music, like when Ray goes sliding down the hill, I just think I hit me every in every cell of my skin. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. uh, you know, Star Wars, if anything is, you know, 50% of it is, is really the emotion mm -hmm. that, that the music uses to draw you into the, the narrative. Um, it's interesting that you uh, that you picked The Force Awakens and A New Hope. Um, there were a lot of people uh, whose first complaint was that it was kind of a retread of A New Hope. You have a desert dweller. You have secret plans in a droid, et cetera, et cetera. So there were a lot of people that were just kind of, you know, uh, making a checklist uh, between the two films. And I think uh, I remember mm – -hmm. Um, I remember that that was one of the uh, the biggest complaints uh, when it came to uh, TFA, as they call mm. it. I'm, I'm familiar with that uh, because when I, you know, my first reaction after watching The Force Awakens was going to my not fandom Twitter account, which I keep, you know, secret. And uh, one of my friends is like, well, you know, it's just a restelling of the A New Hope, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, for Christ's sakes. But you know what? And, and I thought to myself, like, why is that a bad thing? A New Hope is awesome. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. like it's an it's awesome start. It's uh, it's intentionally, I thought it was intentionally supposed to be sort of a, like a similar foundation to kind of root you in that familiarity. I, you know, I mean, if A New Hope was shit, then yeah, you know, you can maybe pick on it. But A New Hope was amazing. So why would people be upset? And it was different enough, in my opinion, that... You know, if that's your worst complaint is that it's a retelling of New Hope, then you know, those are kind of first world problems here, you know, <laughs> like for Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Know, like, I almost feel, too, that um, there was, uh, you know, uh, George had uh, just sold Star Wars to Disney. Disney paid uh, mm -hmm. almost four and a half billion dollars. That's a billion with a B. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I feel like the um, – the investors were like, all right, we just spent all this money. What do you got? Uh, let's uh, chop chop with uh, with the new Star Wars. And, um, you know, one of the other criticisms was that, uh, you know, they played it safe. They said, you know what? Star Wars worked uh, on, on a deep level with everyone. Let's kind of just uh, let's try to capture lightning in a bottle. Um, and I think that's fair. I think that's yeah, fair. And um and I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's not a bad thing. Um, and you, I, I think uh, out of the three films that we're going to be discussing tonight, I think The Force Awakens is probably my my favorite of, of the three. Mm -hmm. But I can, if I just going to say, I can understand the criticism, criticism of The Force. This is the first time that you have the opportunity to have the characters that you loved in the original trilogy to be together and by the end of that movie it wasn't going to happen because one of the characters was dead and that luke wouldn't be there i mean ugh. i mean this is kind of more of a last jedi criticism when we're going to get to that about what i kind of feel about the luke dynamic but i can understand the critique of you know you've been and, and especially 
you know, I can't really understand the critique of people who've built it up in their head and it didn't come out exactly as they want. But I can understand the critique that to have a movie that everybody knows, buying the merch, dressing the cosplay, wanting the original trilogy characters back, and to not get that, I can understand why some people would be like, eh. and then to kill Han Solo on top of it, like my husband was freaking livid. <laughs> he loved sure. the movie. He absolutely loved the movie, but my God, was he mad. And he's still mad. You ask him about them and it's like he's triggered. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you hit that right on the head. Um, I think the... Uh, you know, George Lucas, um, before selling to Disney, um, you know, I read that uh, he went to the old actors and he said, hey, um, I'd love to do another Star Wars movie and I want I need you guys in it. And, um, you know, Carrie Fisher's like, OK, that's interesting. I'm in Harrison Ford. OK, fine. George, uh, you're a good guy. I'm in. Mark Hamill's like, let's do it. And um, I feel like George Lucas did the heavy lifting when it comes to. Um, you know, mm-hmm. building uh, a, I guess, a a framework for a story that could have come out of of uh, a, you know, a first first movie in a in a new trilogy. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think um, a, a couple of uh, days ago, I had posted uh, a question asking folks, uh, you know, was it a mistake to never see the three original characters in the trilogy at all? And a lot of people, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people obviously said yes. Uh, there were some people that said no because the story didn't fit. Um, it was. And that, you know, that kind of critique is kind of after the fact because, you know, you can – you can create a story, you know, start starting from scratch to make it happen. And I think, like you said, I think the, the hardcore fans or the fans that have been um, on this franchise since the beginning really wanted to see that. Um, there was, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for the most part, uh, this will be a bold statement, but I think um, we didn't go to see a new Star Wars to see these new characters. We went to go see Han, Luke and Leia. One more adventure, one last time. And um, like, I think it's important to grow a story, to bring in new fans. I mean, you know, I love seeing every Halloween, every Halloween, I get a little ray that comes up to my door. I think it's important to build that, but you can't neglect the, the bread and butter. You know, like the fans that bread, the bread and bread are fans, the ones that are going to be there when the other fans have moved on to watching, you know, the other viewers have moved on to watching something else. You know, your hardcore fans are going to be out there buying the books and, you know, making the podcasts and talking about it ad nauseum. I mean, you know, I, I get it. I get it. You know, do I understand the, the menace behind the some of the hate? No, but I get why people were upset. I can still, you can, you can have, you can like something and still be upset, sure. you know, like the, we, you know, it is possible to like Star Wars, like a film, but be upset because certain things don't happen and be disappointed. And I think that's, you know, we have to, we can't be afraid to say that feelings are valid, good and bad, you know? Hey friends, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh 
Yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the Scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. The opportunity awaits to listen to the Captain's Quadrant for the other Star Sci-Fi podcast. Yes, Star Trek. We have loads of fun talking edgy and forgettable classic episodes in the Agony Booth. Hear our love of current Trek and deep cuts with jokes every Thursday live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Hey there, kids and cadets. It's Tim from the FSF Popcast, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Toby One Kenobi. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access and Big T Little T Podcast. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hello, this is Hondo Naka. You are listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's this cattleman. Okay, cut. Who has my credits? I must get going. I'm being chased by the Empire after all. Tune into the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Deep dives, geek talk, and an occasional butt. Only on the Red 5 Network. Yeah, you you said it again. I mean, I, I think the uh, the fans that um, I always say that uh, there are certain type of fans, I guess, older fans who have uh, spent so much time with Star Wars, and obviously, you can see uh, behind me, I have so much invested in the franchise <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that uh, you know to be able to to uh, for a company to kind of. Um, cut off its nose to spite its face or however the saying goes it's uh it's kind of puzzling to me and i think um i don't know it's obviously you know a a, a huge movie studio doesn't set out uh to to do a movie to make it fail obviously they want to make as much money mm-hmm. as they can but i think um they really uh, uh they really kind of went about it the wrong way um and i think well, possibly, but it's what we got. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's where I think, you know, you have to settle and decide like, you know, do you want no Star Wars or do you want, you know, the Star Wars that you're going to get? Like, I mean, I, I, let's go back to the, you know, the Bond franchise, right? 
You're going to have the Sean, Pure, Sean Connery purist, the Roger Moore purist, the, you know, Daniel Craig's not my bond, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> I didn't right? even know that happened. Or, or, you know, or for every, like, you know, for every Casino Royale, there's a quantum of solace, right. you know, like, like, like you're going to have that. But I just think that like, you can't, you can, I think you should allow yourself to enjoy the aspects you like getting Star Wars and the hope that they're going to learn from mind fans being vocal. And I don't mind fans having discourse about it or not liking it. It's just that, you know, I, sometimes I also kind of wonder with some fans whether, you know, is it really their view or is it because, you know, they tune into the, the grifters sure. and the podcast and they haven't, you know, have you watched it again? Because sometimes you can watch it the first time, like with me with Rogue One. The first time I watched Rogue One, I was like, what the hell is that? You know, the second time I watched it, I'm like, is this becoming my favorite movie? You know, like, you know, and I think you can sometimes you can watch and it's not the right mood to be watching a film. I think sometimes, you know, you can go back and you'll catch something different that maybe you didn't notice the first time. And I think that it's, you know, it's okay to give a fair chance and still have the critique that you have. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the other option is no Star Wars. Yeah. And I ask myself that um, I, I sometimes uh, talk to my friends about that. Would I rather have no Star Wars uh, or have the Star Wars that I have with uh, everything that has happened? Um, you know, we, we I think that's a very difficult question. Um, mm hmm. You know, uh, and for some people, it's going to be yeah, no. For some people, it's going to be no. They walked away from the fan fandom, and and you know, I I get that decision, but I can't. You know, when when something is announced, when something is uh, you know, a new like this acolyte show or the skeleton crew show. I mean, all all this. You know, we're getting new Star Wars, whether people want it or not. We're getting new Star Wars, and I'm still excited because. I like Star Wars. And if, if, if you tell me that something is Star Wars, I'm like, I'm, I'm all in for it. Um, I'll, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. You, you have to make your decision. If you want to talk about it, you know, watch it. You like it. You don't like it. Talk about it with other fans and make your peace and, and move on. Or maybe give, give another, like, maybe you don't like the sequel trilogy, but maybe watch and, or maybe watch, you know, Mandalorian and you might like that aspect sure. of it or, and it might be enough to bring you back into the front into Star Wars, recognizing that, you know, this aspect you're going to put on the shelf and that's not going to be what you like. And that's fine. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, how people perceive Star Wars now because of The Last Jedi. And I think this is related to, to your mm. post. <laughs> um, like I said earlier, I have friends that left the fandom because they didn't like The Last Jedi. They didn't like what it did uh, to to mm. the franchise, to the character of Luke Skywalker, to, to whatever the reason is. Um, it is what it is. But I wanted to get your take. And uh, give me your, um, I guess, your, your reasoning by, you had posted uh, that post regarding uh, rewatching The Last Jedi. And uh, tell me a little bit about that and your experience on, on your rewatch. It's time to let old things die. Snoke, Skywalker, the Sith, the Jedi, the Rebels, let it all die. Ray, I want you to join me. We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! 
Okay. So I was watching, um, I didn't watch, you know, again, I told you there's that one channel and it seems like every long weekend there's a Star Wars marathon, right? And so I didn't watch it this time around, but I did catch a little bit of the one scene in The Last Jedi where they were on crate. And Luke was peak Luke and Kylo was peak Kylo and they were, it's just, holy crap. You know what I mean? It was just like such a scene and I just, and I thought to myself, it's like, you know, can we acknowledge that sometimes movies can stink, but still have great Star Wars? You know, there can be great Star Wars within a film. And is it possible that if we can come to that understanding of that, like, you know, can we watch a film and enjoy the and, and knowing that maybe we don't like it as much as the other, maybe uh, of a list of 12 movies, it's the bottom one. You know, we understand that. But can we still enjoy the film anyways because of some of the scenes that you got and some of the amazing effects that you got and some of the amazing storyline that was in there of the movie that can you rewatch it five years later? You've hated it. Can you rewatch it and see if you would have a fresh take on it? Would it, would you be as angry the second time if you watched it again? Or, you know, like just, is it, can you do that? Like, is it possible? Um, short answer for me specifically? No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, the last Jedi was, is kind of an interesting movie for me because when I first saw it, I loved it. Right. But, but I loved the Raylo part of it. I'm not going to lie. That was my jam. That was like, you know, that was what made my heart beat. But on rewatch and constant rewatch, it keeps sliding down mm. on my list. It's the one movie that's sliding down. Yeah. You know? I, it's not at the bottom by any stretch because that's, 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 uh, I'm not going to reveal what that one <laughs> oh. is. Because... <laughs> okay, hold on. It's uh, Return of the Jedi. But <clears throat> I hate that movie. What does but, your husband uh, think about that? But. Oh, he's fine with it. He oh, doesn't like right. it either. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like it enough, but yep. it's not my favorite. But anyways, get, anyways, I digress. But I, it's a conflicting movie for me because the highs are high, but the lows are low. Yes. You know, for for every, you know, the Ray and Ben battle was fantastic, but for every, you know, Killing Snoke was fantastic. The Battle of Crate was fantastic. But sidelining Finn wasn't. That whole storyline was kind of sure. yeah. the Jedi are romanticized, deified. But if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, the legacy of the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. I, I I struggle with Luke. I struggle with Luke on how I feel about yeah. this one about Luke. But but you know, going back to you know Finn, it I'm conflicted about like. Can you say that you don't care about Rose Tico without everybody assuming that you're a racist? Right. That you're happy that represent like, like I'm happy. I love her. Sure. I think she's a great great actress. The character was fine. Do I think she was necessary? Right. You know, because her, if her purpose was to teach Finn, who had spent his entire life, like, you know, basically kidnapped from childhood 
and raised to be a killing machine and fight like he's not, he's the last person who needs a morality mm-hmm. lesson you know so but but it's but what i find is difficult is is the discourse that's about the movie or is the discourse that people assume the worst about p- other people's opinions yes and i think um i'm probably going to filter out some of the strong um, opinions that come from, like you called them, the grifters and the and the YouTubers mm-hmm. and, and, the racists. And, and all that stuff. I, I'm really not. And the right, obvious right, racist. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested yeah. in, in, in their opinions at all. I think one of the things that I that I am interested in, it's funny to me because when when I post about the sequel trilogy, people tell me they hate they absolutely hate the rise of Skywalker. And to me, that's like mind blowing because I'm like, how can you hate the la- the the rise of Skywalker when The Last Jedi is right there? It's right there, <laughs> you know? But The Last Jedi had some like amazing visuals and... It, it better for $300 million. For many years, there was balance. And then I saw Ben, my nephew, with that mighty Skywalker blood. In my hubris, I thought I could train him. I could pass on my strengths. Hans, Han about it, but Leia trusted me with her son. I took him and a dozen students and began a training temple. By the time I realized I was no match for the darkness rising in him. It was too late. What happened? Some, some people see. Some people, I think, maybe like that subverting of a of expectations, and some people kind of don't. And I, I, I'm of the opinion that there's a time and a place for that. I'm not quite sure if that was the sure. time and the place. But for other people, they might think differently. And but it doesn't make it a, a bad movie by any stretch. Like you got to understand, when I say a movie's at my twelfth or eleventh spot, that's still better than every other movie in my in, on my shelf, right? Like I love the Star Wars, and like my least favorite movie, I still like it. Sure, you know, yeah. like I, I don't like aspects of it, but I like it. You know, for me, you the know? Last Jedi is the only um, Star Wars movie that I never bought on DVD or Blu-ray or, or digital or, or mm. at all. And it's it's a movie that I don't feel like revisiting. Um, I I walked yeah. out of that movie thinking to myself, "What the hell?" Um, questioning my fandom. It even had that power for a little bit. And it's yeah. it's um, it's a weird dynamic. It's a weird relationship that uh, that I, I you know obviously I was not alone. I think the biggest part for me mm. um, was the fact that uh, Ryan Johnson was a little too headstrong when it came to hearing what other people had to say about his film. I think he doubled down a little bit, um, calling uh, some fans, you know, names. I mean, some fans deserve to be called some, you know, names, but I think there are other fans that had some legitimate concerns and critiques that uh, that I guess um, that aspect of the narrative were, were clumped in with, with everybody. And, um, you know, my my biggest problem with the film 
is really, I think, the biggest problem that that a lot of people had with the film. I think Luke Skywalker's characterization um, in that film was uh, didn't fly with me. Um, and obviously, you know, everybody is familiar with Luke uh, with Mark Hamill's um, uh, voicing mm-hmm. of of his uh, you know his um, opinion about uh, Luke Skywalker in the film. Um, you know, I always go back to. Uh, the, the Luke's motivation in the Last Jedi, you know, he just wanted to kind of uh, put himself off the grid. But mm-hmm. I don't feel that anyone with half a brain would use that as 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 a plan B uh, or a plan A uh, on how to defeat evil. I think that I always go back to that adage, and I'm sure you've heard of this: is uh, evil evil rises when good men do nothing. And I, I can't, uh, for the life of me, find it uh, plausible that someone like Luke Skywalker, who had so much faith and hope, obviously he was the new hope, um, to say, you know what, fuck it, uh, I'm just gonna die, and and the galaxy is gonna do what the galaxy is gonna do. It's it's it. I find that very difficult to 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 believe and and difficult to swallow in my case. Master Yoda. Young Skywalker. I'm ending all of this. The tree, the text, the Jedi. I'm gonna burn it down. I, you know, I have somewhat similar thoughts to you, and I think that might surprise you. Uh, you know, because as much as I love the sequel to trilogy, you know, my biggest issue might be Luke. And here's the thing. I can certainly understand that grumpy old man aspect. I mean, hell, I'm 45. I'm starting to become a grumpy old woman. You know, like I get it. Half the fandom is grumpy old men. So, you know, it shouldn't be that much of a stretch to understand how like a failure could totally shatter your especially with with family you were entrusted with family and you failed on such an epic level i can understand how can that sh- can shatter you as a person the difficulty that i have is that in the original trilogy luke would never abandon leia luke would never abandon his friends he he he, he shortened his training with yoda because his friends were in trouble. Right. And yet like Ray comes and it's like the galaxy in trouble. And he's like, yeah, to hell with them. Fuck my right. sister. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> sorry. I, I, I swear swear, already. But, you know, I swore already. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, I, I mean, that's, that's where I kind of struggle. It's like, you know, I get, I get the point you're trying to make about Luke, you know, you can, I think you can push a character to a point and, you know, like Luke redeemed himself in the end and Luke was peak Luke in the end. That was the Luke that we were expecting to see. I just, I don't understand how he would just say, even in the first movie, he should have come back in the first movie much earlier. Yeah. I don't think we needed crate or no, what not crates or what's that? Acto. Yes. Acto? Mm-hmm. Acto? Yeah. You know, I don't think we needed that Island. I think like he could have come back when they were in danger in, the force awakens and that could have that could have you know even if ryan john pushes the boundaries in the force in the last jedi after luke comes back in the force awakens then you know at least it's the luke we know and they're pushing boundaries at least he still came back and was heroic 
for his sister. But I just, I just have this hard time disconnecting this idea that Luke wouldn't come back for Absolutely. his sister. Yeah. I mean, I totally, I totally agree you with know. you. And I think, you know, um, you know, our ardent fans of The Last Jedi always point out to uh, the lessons that Luke learned in in The Last Jedi. And I always say, you know, he learned those lessons in uh, in the original trilogy. Um, he was, you know, he was tempted, but he he surpassed that. So I think, you know, that is one aspect of the sequel trilogy that I think is uh, is also part of my um, discontent with 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 the overall uh, sequel trilogy. I think they're they they succeeded to deconstruct the the original characters just to kind of bring them up again. But we already saw that in the original trilogy. I don't I, I it's one of those things that I just I don't understand why um, they did it. And I think also. Um, you mentioned that it's good to see new characters for a new audience. And I think one of the biggest reasons that I feel that the sequel trilogy works um, for younger audiences is because they are they don't know Luke Skywalker. They they they, they didn't grow yes. up with with him, his stories. And obviously, you know, he only appears in these three movies, but we do have, uh, you know, a litany of uh, expanded uh, universe, uh, you know, um, material that uh, fans uh, like I said, uh, have read everything during the dark times. You had, you know, some of the um, the novels, starting with, uh, you know, all the uh, Timothy Zahn stuff in the in the mid '90s and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and all the uh, books that uh, that people really, you know, fell in love with. And that's another aspect of the anger of fans when Disney decided to decanonize those stories and say, you know what, those were stories that happened, but they didn't happen in our galaxy, so. Uh, you know, but were they ever really fully no. canon? Though that's the thing they, I don't understand. I like mean, that's that's like I can understand the fantasy sure. and enjoying the book, but and and, and you know I think I think the po one of the things that they're starting to cleverly do is reintroduce yeah. characters. Now they're not going to be the same way that they were in the Legends material, but. I mean, they're bringing, you know, they brought back Thrawn. Um, I, I don't, was Cad Bane in the books or whatever? Like, you know. I, I don't think Cad Bane was. Yeah, but, you're right. But even amongst, the, even amongst the legends, like, you know, the name I keep hearing is Mara Jade. But there's people that were like, what the hell? Luke got married. Right. Like, you know, they don't like the Mara Jade character. George Lucas didn't. So I just think that, you know, there's clever ways to bring back these characters in a new reality and make it their own. And one of the things that I like about these new characters, about the Finns, the Rays, the, you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, at the time I thought maybe Ben Solo, but that <laughs> came out for nothing, <laughs> you know, but, you know, Carrie died. Yeah. Mark Hamill's an old man. Harrison Ford's an old man. Sure. You know, these, these people aren't going to be here forever. And that, you know, that franchise that you guys have spent 40 plus years nursing and caring for do you want it to die when you die? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so at some point you've got to grow it for these children. These children have to have their Star Wars. And it's not for you to say what's right for the children. Just like, you know, nobody told you what was right for you as a child. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just think that, like, I, I can understand that possessive quality that you want over, over Star Wars. But there has to be some sort of a give and take. There has to, I, I, I think it's fair to say that as 
original trilogy fans, maybe you felt you were done a little dirty. Mm-hmm. And I get that. That I absolutely get. And maybe, you know, Star Wars should have given more consideration to that. You know, Disney and Lucasfilm and Kathleen or whoever should have given more consideration to that. But, you know, we got what we got. And the impetus was focusing on these new characters who were going to carry on the legacy. So those guys' storylines were great. I mean, you know, we can talk about Finn's story in the middle there and maybe Poe in the middle there. But those stars, those guys' stories were great. And, you know, if that's the stories that I enjoy because they resonate with me you know and they're gonna they're gonna resonate with my you know my friend's daughters yeah who are all you know they love ray they love everything about ray they love finn they love poe they love bb8 my god they love bb8 you know like you know so for them it's like you know oh leia's cool luke's cool but you know they're not they're not ray they're not finn you know yeah, I think uh, you know Star Wars obviously uh, has become such a a big deal. It is generational. Um, I think one of the biggest um, arguments that I hear is, uh, you know, where I, I think older fans are fine with new characters. I think one of the biggest reasons that uh, we are so bitter is because, like you said, because they they did us dirty. Um, we don't have a scene of the of the original trilogy actors uh, mm-hmm. characters in in the you know in, in a scene. I think um, you know it it doesn't it the Force Awakens um, or the the sequel trilogy in general doesn't even seem like uh, a series of films that um, that portray an essence of of handing the torch over to a, a new generation. Um, mm-hmm. It just it it I, I think it's. I think I think that's going to be determined, though. 20 years later, when at the time, 20 years ago, it was slammed, is because you got the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars changed the prequel trilogy for my husband. Sure. The Clone Wars added depth. It added that story. It added flavor. So what's going to be the things that fill in the sequel trilogy? Is it going to be this Ray movie? You know, are we going to get some sort of animated Clone Wars-like thing between the you know the rise of skywalker and the way ray movie or are we going to move in a completely different direction should we just park the sequel trilogy and yeah we'll have the ray movie but maybe the ray movie is what's going to launch that next set of stories maybe they realize you know the sequel trilogy didn't do its job of launching the next set so that's what the ray movie is going to address we don't know you know <laughs> but i think i think it's fair to park the sequel trilogy if you didn't like it just park it but understand that there's more store there's star wars there's other star wars sure. to like yeah i find that um that question interesting too is um the question always arises regarding the prequel trilogy and its relationship to the clone wars animated series and how um obviously those uh, prequel films were enhanced because of the um animated series and everything that has happened uh, between those two um shows and it's um you know, for me at this point, I have such a distaste for uh, what The Last Jedi did to to Star Wars that I don't see anything from my perspective. I don't see anything on the horizon that will make me all lovey-dovey on The Last Jedi. It's just yeah. – And that's fine. I think that's valid. You should be able to feel that way. Yeah. You know, you don't have to justify it, to be honest. Like, like And looking at Star Wars now – 
is maybe again maybe it's okay to park the sequel trilogy if you liked it you liked it if you didn't you didn't because i think the future of star wars is really kind of resting right now on the mandalorian and less on the sequel trilogy yeah yeah and i think you know they made an announcement obviously a a ray movie is happening the uh, mandoverse movie Mm -hmm. is uh supposedly moving forward and i think there was a third um, uh, an announcement or rumor that, uh, they were, uh, going into another, um, uh, historical realm of, of star Wars with the high Republic and possibly that being a movie. But I know the acolyte kind of deals with a little bit of that, uh, era. Um, I almost feel like Disney is testing the waters to see, you know, we're going to do three movies in three different, you know, time periods of star Wars. Let's see, let's, let's see, see what, what sticks. sticks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you know one one of the things too that I'm one I'm curious about, and uh, is because it's clear that everything about this Mandoverse is leading up to the Force Awakens. Are we gonna whatever comes out? Are we gonna look back at the at the at the sequel trilogy slightly differently because of whatever comes out of this Mandalorian buildup? Because it's it's leading up to. The Force Awakens. So are we going to look at it with fresh eyes because of what the Mandalorian did in the same way that the Clone Wars helped the prequel trilogy is are is the Mandalorian universe stories going to help the sequel trilogy or at least an aspect of the sequel trilogy where then you're going to want to rewatch it just to kind of see if if it clicks and it makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't know. The jury is still out, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Time is a great healer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's it, that's interesting. I think, um, like I said, you know, for for me, it's a it's it's a tough sell. I do want to um, I do. I, I think I do want Star Wars to kind of move past the sequel trilogy. I think uh, there um, I think shows like Andor have um, really uh, kind of uh, showed us that there are stories to be told in that universe that really don't rely on the bigger picture, you know, Sith and Jedi and, and this and that, I think, you know, there are regular people that live in that galaxy. And I think, and, or really for me, at least, uh, for a lot of people that, that enjoyed that series, um, uh, that is like more uh, of what I want in star Wars. Oh, me too. Oh, I love Andor. If you were to ask me like, post sequel trilogy which is my favorite series you know up until season three i would have said but season three was a bit of a disappointment for me so i'm gonna go back to andor andor blew my mind andor was just absolutely it it hit me in the same way that watching star wars for the first time hit. and it's funny because uh, you know we're we're adults i think um you know for somebody uh who saw star wars at eight years old if i saw andor at eight years old i'd be I, i might be bored to tears um, but mm-hmm. I think there's something special about, uh, about, um, a grown up star Wars. If I, if I use the term, um, you know, Andor mm-hmm. was, uh, written so well. And I know a lot of people have a problem with Andor because it didn't have any Jedi or Sith or lightsabers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there was a certain aspect of the fandom that, um, proclaimed that Andor was not Star Wars because it was missing those certain elements. And I understand that. But I think, um, Mm. you know, I always said that uh, after 
um, watching Andor, for me, it, it was very difficult to go back to regular Star Wars. And I think season three of Mandalorian was after Andor. And uh, like you, uh, I was I was very disappointed in season three of, of uh, Mando, um, especially after coming out of uh, such a well-written show as, as Andor. I think it was top tier Star Wars. It was top tier drama for the most mm-hmm. part. Well, you know what? My one of my favorite of the my favorite prequel trilogy movie is it's Attack of the Clones. And that's going to surprise yeah. people. And Attack of the Clones is actually in either my top three or top four, because sometimes I, you know, nah, it's got to be behind Empire. So, OK, maybe it's the fourth one. But uh, I love, you know, if the first movie in the prequel trilogy was the rise of, you know, how Anakin came to be. And the third movie was how Anakin came to fall. Attack of the Clones literally set up the storyline that is still carrying all these films later. All the politics, yeah. all the juicy, you know, sort of like the intrigue, the the Sith versus that. And I think that's what I like about Andor is like, you know, Star Wars can't be all lightsabers and Jedi versus because that gets boring sure. after a while. I, I want to see like. What causes people to join the dark side? Spies. Saboteurs. Assassins. Who've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. Cassian Ander. No matter what you tell me or tell yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards. Wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real? What causes people to to fight for, you know, the enemy or whatever? Like, and then when you're watching, like, you know, they're working these office careers, they're treated like a number. You know, everybody's fighting to become ambitious. Like, I I love that, and I think maybe that's kind of like I'm hoping these next few films will give us a different aspect of it, but. What I worry about is if the, you know if it's not light stovers and pew pew pew, will people right. like it? Like, I think you know, or or can we have like you know some Star Wars is going to deal with pew 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 and lightsabers, and other Star Wars is going to be you know the intrigue, why people fall, why people join, why what's the cause, what's the desperation sure. that makes people make the decisions they make, and I think we need to allow for the fact that that's what makes the Star Wars universe rich is all these stories. It's not just you know, I mean, literally, if I'm just going to watch eight hours of, you know, 16 hours of Empire Strikes Back, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> like, we need each movie to stand alone on its own and bring a different aspect of it. I think the sequel trilogy tried in many ways. I liked it, but I get why people don't. I think The Rise of Skywalker was, you know, I agree with you where a lot of people hated it. I think it was the closest thing to coming back to what I think maybe fans would have envisioned the sequel trilogy to be. Sure. <laughs> like, I think you can watch the first movie and the last movie and have a basic knowledge of what happened between Ray and Kylo Ren. And you're not missing anything if you didn't like the middle movie. Yeah. And it's funny because that's not how a trilogy should work. Unfortunately, um, it's, uh, it's, it's too bad. You know, I, I think I would, um, I have, I would have greater respect for Disney if they said, you know what, we tried something, didn't work. Let's move on. 
Um, but I think um, at this point we can only uh, hear that, uh, that uh, I guess, apology through their actions. <laughs> well, and for me, you know, it's funny because I was the big champion of the sequel trilogy. When everybody was hating it, I was just like, yeah, rah, rah, you know. <laughs> but when they killed Ben Solo, I was devastated and I couldn't understand the decision. I And, you know, people are going to say, oh, he's a villain, blah, 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 blah. And but why then did save Ben for him to die 30 seconds later? Like, Jesus Christ, you know. And so in that sense, you know, as much as I love the sequel trilogy, it ended on a sour note for me. Sure. And I like the Rise of Skywalker, but it ended on a yeah, sour note yeah. for me. You know, so how do we look at the sequel trilogy as a whole? It was like, you know, it's almost like a live action role play game where, you know, you have a guy that sets the story, but then he lets the characters create what they want. And maybe you're going to get something good and maybe you're going to get something good. But you need that that manager to manage the story a little bit better. And that's maybe what we needed is a stronger, a stronger finger on the pulse of the story, or at least a shell of an outline of what they wanted to get to. Right. Instead of letting direction, you know, these directors make their own decisions. I mean, I, I had a chance to listen to that Duel of the Fates podcast. Someone had recorded, did sort of a live action reading. You can find it on YouTube. And there was elements of that story where it's like, you know, oh, that might have been an okay Star Wars sure. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, unfortunately, I think with uh, JJ and, and Johnson, um, to me, it, you know, the sequel trilogy especially the last two films, it felt like a pissing match between directors. Um, one was doing one thing. The other one was kind of undoing the other thing. And, and I think, well, um, they boxed each other in, they boxed each other in. Yeah. And so they had to kind of evolve the story from that, you know? Yeah. And then it didn't help. I don't think it helped too, where Disney didn't, you know, once Colin Trevorrow was dropped, they should have extended the amount of time it took for JJ to make the film yeah. and maybe even, you know, maybe even broken it up into two stories. Sure. Why the rush? Why was the rush? And I think they learned their lesson from that. Yeah. I think the rush obviously was uh, due to the fact that it's big business and they wanted, uh, you know, uh, they wanted their return on investment. On, on, but at what cost? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, that's uh, like here we, you know, here we are talking about, it. but I, I do want to clarify. I still love the sequel to trilogy. I still find joy. And I, Going back to when that the thing about like the crate, I can still watch it, notice something different, enjoy something different, enjoy a different storyline or notice something that it's like, yeah, you know, that kind of bugs me. And I, I just think that I think that for some people, I keep wondering if they watched it again, sat down and watched all three movies in a row, you know, had the showcase special on in Canada over the long weekend and they're at home and they're full of turkey and they're, you know, would they kind of maybe appreciate it more, if, especially if you haven't watched it since then? Mm -hmm. If you've only watched it once, you know, would you give it more of a chance if you saw it the second time? Would something hit differently that maybe you didn't notice in your first watch? And that's where I'm saying, like, or can you extract like, hey, these were good pieces and it's not worth all this fandom discourse when you know it's not really all that bad or it's bad but i don't need to be a dick right yeah no absolutely absolutely um yeah uh again short answer for me i i don't think i can watch i can watch the first and the third movie um again mm -hmm. i just i i don't have the stomach at this point in my life to watch the last jedi and and that's it is what it is and like i said that's completely fair i mean i you know and it's funny because 
I never really understood Last Jedi haters mm -hmm. until the book of Boba Fett came out. And then I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> If you want to say, you know, Mr. You know, I'm a little Miss Super Positivity here. And, you know, I'm not a Disney show by any stretch. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I can definitively say I did not like the book of Boba Fett. I don't think a lot of people... Except the Cobb, except the Cobb Vanth part. Yeah, sure. I could have had a whole series on Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane. Yeah. But the rest of it, I was like, oh, God, kill me now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear and you. And I, I won't be rewatching that one. So I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh... Again, this this has been uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, you know, we never did a sequel trilogy review or, or a review of any of the uh, films in the sequel trilogy since Brad and I started the podcast back in 2019. Um, because you know, it's one of those things. If you don't like it, then just move on. But um, Danny, thank you so much for challenging me uh, to talk about the sequel trilogy. I don't think I've ever talked about it um, in depth as, as we did on, uh, on the show. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I hope, uh, I hope I was okay for my, you know, my time with you and that I offered something or some new insight. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, folks that are listening to this uh, also, uh, I'm sure uh, you have uh, opened their eyes a little bit as far as uh, how to uh, look at uh, the sequel trilogy. And uh, as Star Wars fans, we know that uh, the way we look at things is different from a certain point of view. See what I did there? Yes. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Excellent. Danny, thank you so much. Uh, why don't you tell the fine folks that are still listening how to uh, find you to say hello there? Um, I'm on Twitter or no, X. What is it called? Twitter X at, uh, at Semperfy Danny. And um, I'm, I'm on Discord at Semperfy Danny too, but I generally just stick to Raylo pages there. So don't add me. <laughs> Excellent. Danny, thank you so much. And you know what? I, um, we, we did have a, uh, one of my followers, uh, Nin Sage, um, brought in, uh, a 20 minute discourse on the sequel trilogy. Um, I will, uh, tack that on to the end and, uh, see mm -hmm. what everybody thinks about, uh, his opinion. I might have just, I might have him back, um, and just uh, talk about uh, his thoughts and his feelings on on the sequel trilogy. I think we opened a floodgate here when, uh, as uh, as it's concerning with the sequel trilogy. So it's too funny, but uh, we'll see what happens. Well, at some point, at some point too, we have to move on from yes, it. Yes, absolutely. And just you know, park park the sequel trilogy where it is, and decide for yourself whether you want to enjoy more Star Wars. Or if there's a Star Wars for you to enjoy, you know, like just park it and move on and enjoy for what you're the stuff that you do and enjoy now, whether it's the Andors or the Mandalorians, sure. just, you know, put it in the distance past. There's no sense to keep fighting about it because it's stupid at this point. Like 
it's you know the movie's five years old or ten years old. Right. Like that's just move on, you know. Well, I parked I parked it uh, back in 2018, but you opened up that wound, so thank you, thank you <laughs> oh, for that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I moved on. Look at me pouring the salt. Look at me pouring the salt. <laughs> excellent, excellent, Danny. Yeah. Danny, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. And uh, folks, if you're listening, thank you very much for joining us on episode 182. Is it 182? Yeah, 182 or 181. Uh, you, you look it up. I, I can't remember which one it is. But uh, thank you again for joining us on this edition of the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. For more of the show and more of the Red 5 Network, head on over to bio.link slash red5. If you guys have any comments regarding our discussion on tonight's show, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 773-234-8659. Come on down and uh, we'll uh, we'll check it out. Thank you very much. Until next time, that's the Scuttlebutt. sequel trilogy uh star wars sequel trilogy to be more specific um so i don't generally do great with such a vague prompt but i guess i'll just start talking and try not to make it take forever and we'll see we'll see what happens um so i'll i'll sort of skip my true background background with uh star wars uh, i'll just sort of start with when the sequels came out. So by the time the sequels came out, I was still just a very, very casual Star Wars fan. I wouldn't even consider myself a Star Wars fan in 2015. Um, like I'd seen, like I watched some stuff as a kid. I'd seen all the movies. I'd seen the prequels in theaters, but uh, like it was always just because friends were going and they wanted me to go. Similarly, with episode seven, I had a friend who wanted to go like the day it came out, like not midnight showing, but like the next day. And he already had a kid at the time. So it was like he could only go in the middle of the day and no one else could go. So he was like, hey, do you want to come with me? So I'm not alone watching this movie. And I was like, sure. So I went and to show how little... I knew going into the film, I had heard a rumor that the dude in the black outfit called Kylo Ren might be Luke Skywalker. So from the beginning of the film up until, you know, up until they basically reveal who that is, um, I thought that that could very well be Luke Skywalker under that mask. So, but um, I was captured instantly uh, as soon as Kylo Ren spoke. So whichever audio engineer set up his voice to sound like that, you know, the, the, the coolest thing about how much 
I love the character of Kylo Ren, which is, if it hasn't been made clear before, is like 100% of the reason I'm a Star Wars fan. Uh, you know, the fact that I can't fully explain like why that voice is so cool or why that character strikes such a chord with me is like half the fun. Like it's one of the few things where I, I have trouble putting into words why I just am so captivated by that character. It could be Adam Driver as a great actor. Maybe I'm just a sucker for that particular costume design. But then again, I've never been like that huge of a Darth Vader fan. And I think aesthetically they're similar, certainly. But anyway, so I was just hooked. I mean, it's, you know, it's basically that first scene where he is introduced and talks. And I was just, I mean, I went from sort of like, hey, yeah, I'll check out this movie too. I was instantly just like, oh, I am fastened in. Like, let's, let's go. Let's see, let's see what this is about. Um, so episode seven as a whole, perhaps because I was a casual fan, you know, what I hear is one of the biggest criticisms of that is like, oh, it's just a rehash of A New Hope. Well, if you're someone like me who... You know, I'd seen A New Hope plenty of times by then, but I never, like, I hadn't committed it all to memory or anything. Um, so I think having basically what some people have called, like, a soft reboot or having Episode Seven basically serve as a refresher of what Star Wars is about and what it should feel like and what sort of story beats happen and what kind of characters there are, I, I think that that was a deliberate choice. I don't think... There were so many similarities to A New Hope because they just couldn't think of other stuff to do. So I think that that was deliberate and I think that that worked for me. You know, it felt like a good welcoming back in a way to the franchise. And I think that that was what they set out to do. Now, some of my biggest complaints with that movie are the rehash factor. So, for instance, even that first time in the theater when... Uh, you know, they show Starkiller Base and they're like, here's the Death Star and here's Starkiller Base. And it's like, uh, unless you're like six years old, just seeing it and being like, oh, it's so much bigger. Like, I don't know who that's supposed to impress or anything, especially because as an audience, I mean, once something is the size of a moon, do we can we really wrap our head around like oh it's a it's a bigger moon? Well, does that make it more of a threat? Like I don't I don't think so. Um, and then I also really didn't like that. I think they felt compelled like well you have to blow up the big Death Star thing at the end of the first movie because that's just what you do. And I. Th even at the time, I thought that was kind of lame because I thought it would have been much better if for no other reason than you'd already done that before to have Starkiller Base as like this looming threat throughout the whole sequel trilogy. Something like, you know, unlike the Death Star, you can't just blow it up three hours after you discover its existence, you know. Um, so that I wasn't crazy about. But other than that, you know, I think some of the things in episode seven that apply to the whole trilogy are the visuals are amazing. I don't think I've ever heard anyone argue otherwise. Uh, the acting is almost universally top notch throughout the whole trilogy. Um, the characters, the, each character, each new character that's introduced, 
I think is incredibly interesting, creative, and has amazing potential. Now, I say potential because I think a lot of people will agree, like, you know, the way that things went, the sort of disjointedness that everyone has recognized ever since episode eight came out, which continued into nine, you know, I think that made it tough. Like some of the potential in a character like Finn or Poe or even Rose, if you were interested in, in her, those, it was tough to really capitalize on that because all they were was potential. Like you didn't, you didn't have enough buildup and consistent progress to have something pay off and feel satisfying by the end because it's like seven started a trajectory and then eight started a different trajectory and then nine sort of tried to course correct eight and you know it was just it's tough to make characters live up to their potential under those circumstances so that's but i still think they have incredible potential and the reason why that's still cool to me is because you know, especially seeing what's happened with Star Wars in the last almost 20 years, there's always all these like animated spin-off shows, uh, live action shows, um, books and everything. And I feel like what you can do is take the opportunity to take those characters and their potential and bring it to life in one of those areas. And I feel like that would be totally fine, especially because I feel like that's largely what changed people's opinions of the prequel movies. I mean, I was definitely, I was basically in college when those were coming out, and I certainly remember after the first two, people were just, people were pretty disappointed. And then three came out, and I think everyone really quite liked that and felt it sort of redeemed the trilogy. And then Clone Wars came out, and then that just super redeemed the whole thing and sort of retroactively made all those characters and and plot points uh, really, really solidified as being incredible parts of the canon that everyone loves. So I think they're doing themselves a disservice by not, uh, and I hate to use this phrase, but like doubling down on the sequels because the sequels came out and, you know, it was mixed to say the least. And then I think Disney sort of panicked and were like, you know, the make another sort of Clone Wars spin-off with the Bad Batch and uh, people seem to like Boba Fett so but he's dead for now so like make a Boba Fett and we'll just call him the Mandalorian and we'll you know we'll go from there um, now I'm you know downplaying those but and I love those shows but um, but I think that it would have served them better to to say like well maybe the films themselves weren't perfect but we have an opportunity to make them feel really really good by filling in those gaps answering those questions you know the fact that we still haven't gotten an answer to like where the skywalker lightsaber was found and all these things like there's all these gaps um and i think if those were filled in in, in a good way uh just like with the prequels and the Clone Wars and such, it would sort of retroactively, people would look at the sequels in a different light, and I think that would really help. It's not that people would say, oh, these are perfect films now or anything, but I think that would have been the better direction to go. 
as much as I love things like Mandalorian and Ahsoka and all these other things, even Bad Batch, which I wasn't expecting to, but you know, the fact that their effort with the sequel trilogy was that resistance show, which you know, as much as you want to argue like, oh, it's for kids, well, you can still make something good for kids. And I've tried watching that show three times now. I'm on my fourth attempt and I've only made it to episode seven. Uh, and the last, you know, episode six and seven were, were better than one through five, but one through five, I mean, it's like almost unwatchable. Like the style of animation is okay, but it looks pretty cheap compared to Clone Wars. And, you know, there's like only one area, like it's all, it almost all takes place on that one outpost, which I think is just reflective of how little budget they wanted to invest in this. Uh, they don't really have any of the main characters from the sequels because they released it at a time when they didn't know what, how episode nine was going to turn out. So they were hamstrung by not having a plan yet again. So, so these are the things that I think get in the way. Um, but to me, these things get in the way of something that is good and that I do enjoy and that I wish could sort of live up to this potential. Um, I think the last couple things I'll say, sort of just sort of putting a bow on uh, episodes eight and nine. So like after episode eight, I, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, I still just absolutely love the character of Kylo Ren. Going into the movie, I was like, oh, I'm going to be disappointed no matter what, because he's the bad guy and the bad guy has to die, right? Uh, and has to die a villain. And then I was thinking like, well, you know, I don't know. Is there some way he could be redeemed? And episode eight absolutely opened that door for me. Um, that scene in the throne room where uh, he and Ray team up against Snoke. I mean, I actually, I actually got kind of misty eyed when that happened because I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. All my dreams are coming true. And then at the end of that scene where they don't join and Kylo is sort of like, you know, refusing to, to budge his, his philosophy. I was like, Oh God damn it. <laughs> you know, they just, they just got my hopes up for nothing. Uh, and then at the end, I really wasn't sure you know, like when Ray literally and figuratively slams the door on him, I was like, oh, yeah, is he just going to be a villain? And I think that was certainly a possibility, especially as the recent Adam Driver interview has revealed. Like that was originally one of the plans. I think it was probably still in the cards. But, you know, for me, this is why I'm like, thank God for J.J. Abrams. Uh, and I know it's like these days you have to either – hate J.J. Abrams and love Ryan Johnson or vice versa, but I, you know, I think that they're both they both contributed a lot and again, thank goodness J.J. or whoever it was uh, let Ben Ben Solo come back and be redeemed in the end. And that's why I became one of these filthy Raylos that you hear about so much. And it's not it's not because I wanted this, you know, sort of Twilight level fan fiction romance in Star Wars. I didn't really care about that, but before episode nine, I thought to myself, the only way Kylo Ren is making it out alive is if the Raylo thing comes to fruition, is if Ray falls in love with him and wants to save him or help him save himself or however we may put it. 
So the fact that that happened, you know, I was I was just so happy with that. I, I loved that ending sequence where he gets to actually fight as a good guy. Um, I thought the way that Adam Driver's performance pulled it off was amazing because it actually sort of felt like a different character. Like it actually felt like there had been a change of heart uh, beyond just his slightly different hairstyle. And yeah, so I loved it. And there was, there was also just so much in episode nine that, that I really liked. I mean, Zori Bliss was barely in it, but I just, I really loved that character. It's another character I would love to see where that goes. Like, you know, bring her into an animated show, show her history with Poe. Like, I think all of that would be great. Um, the whole Palpatine returning thing, I, you know, I think that that is kind of lame only because it clearly was not planned in 7 and 8 and they didn't tease it. If they had even dropped some legitimate breadcrumbs, I have no problem with him coming back. Uh, I've read comic books long enough that I know death is only a uh, minor obstacle in, in this, these worlds of sort of large ongoing fiction. So I didn't mind him coming back, but the way that they did it, I mean, I thought what would have been a lot better, and you almost wouldn't even have to change the script, but my hope was going to be that the Snoke that was killed in episode eight was actually, a, you know, some sort of botched clone, which is kind of what they went with. Um, but so I was hoping that there would be like a perfect Snoke somewhere that was still pulling the strings and, you know, he wouldn't have the scars and maybe he wouldn't be all tall and lanky, like who knows what went wrong during the process. But, um, so that's what I was hoping for, but it still, it still kind of felt like that because clearly Snoke was sort of like a, a little puppet that, you know, the Sith loyalists put put together and, you know, pushed out into the universe because presumably Palpatine wasn't done cooking yet or something. So, um, but yeah. And, you know, like growing up, like if I had to pick a favorite character, it would have been Luke Skywalker before the sequels. And so I was a little bummed at, you know, what happened to him in episode eight, but uh, I had actually started watching a lot of other YouTube creators talking about Luke in Episode 8 in a way that, you know, it wasn't just sort of blindly defending it. And it wasn't just sort of saying like, oh, if you don't love the way Luke's per portrayed in 8, it's because you're an idiot and you don't get fine cinema or something like that. But they just sort of very rationally, very logically explained how the Luke we left off in episode six could end up like that in episode eight and how it would make sense. And when I coupled that logic with how he sort of, I think comes to peace in episode nine, like I felt, I felt really good about Luke again and where he'd gone in the sequel. So I was, I was satisfied with that as well. So yeah. So I guess I'll just, uh, reiterate once again you know um i just thought the the films they looked amazing the acting was great uh the characters had incredible potential if they didn't always live up to it there's still time to live up to that potential if disney lucasfilm wants to and i'm hoping that the you know ray film will come to fruition and 
and help do some of that. Uh, I would absolutely love it if they would announce an animated series that would fill in all these gaps. Uh, I would totally trust Dave Filoni to do that. Um, and yeah, I just, I had fun with them, you know? Uh, I think that a lot of the things people can complain about for the sequels, you know, they're true. They're, they're flawed films. All of them are flawed. But I feel like you could say the exact same thing for one through six. I don't, even even Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I think that's probably the closest to perfect, but no film is perfect. And I think if the sequels hadn't come out during a time period where you have social media and an algorithm that makes it so that you can't sort of like something, you know, you have to either love it or hate it. You can't just be okay with it. And, you know, social media and the algorithm and clickbait news articles and opportunistic YouTubers and stuff, you know, they make it so that everyone has to be in one camp or another. You can't just sort of be content in the middle and say it wasn't perfect. You have to love it or hate it. Everyone who loves it is the enemy of those that hate it, vice versa. I think if the films hadn't come out in that uh, environment, I think that also would have really helped their standing in sort of the culture. So, all right, I guess... That's all my thoughts. I just rambled for 20 minutes. If I hit stop and did this again, I'd probably say something entirely different. I don't even know if I'm satisfied with what I just said. But I said it, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to say it. Uh, love you guys. Bye. Wow, big thank you to Nin Sage on Twitter for your take on the sequel trilogy. I really appreciate your interaction and your support. And of course, thanks to both Danny and all of you for listening to this edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I was kind of nervous about talking something that I really don't jive with, but it was okay, I guess. What'd you think? If you have any thoughts on anything we said in the show tonight, feel free to let us know. Give us a call and leave us a voicemail over at 773-234-8659, and we may pick it back up in a future show. Don't forget to check out the rest of the Red 5 Network at bio.link red5. If you enjoyed this discussion, make sure to tell a friend or give us a review on your favorite podcast app. And just a reminder, we've got a few great shows on our live edition over at Scarif Live. Join us on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern for some great interviews and discussions. Thank you again for listening. This is Ro from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt.